Welcome to This Week in Sustainability, where we make sense of sustainability and the news. For everyone, I'm your host, Mark D'Souza Shields. Well, This Week in Sustainability, we're trying out a new format. Uh, We're just focusing on one story. The remarkable yet only slightly surprising announcement by Jeff Bezos about the Jeff Bezos-funded Jeff Bezos Earth Fund. This week, Jeff Bezos, CEO of Amazon, the giant online retailer, as if I needed to say that, right, announced that he would use $10 billion of his $127 billion net worth to help resolve the global climate crisis. Climate change, he said, is one of the biggest threats to our planet. Now, one might argue, of course, that the damage we willfully put on the environment in the name of good business is the greatest danger. But let's not quibble about causal variables just now. Well, $10 billion, uh, that's a lot, right? It is. Uh, It's more than the GDP of over 120 countries, and it's more than the median salary of 300,000 Amazon employees. It's a lot. And it's probably 11 times more than President Trump's net worth. Oh, please, please, please just show us your tax receipts already. Anyways, 10 billion. Again, that, that's a lot, right? Or is it? Well, as with everything, you know, a number like that depends on the context. The context for the Bezos Earth Fund is what it will take over the next 30 years to slash carbon emissions enough to meet the Paris Agreement's goal of curbing global warming under 1.5 degrees. And of course, there's debates about that. Maybe we have to go faster, uh, get things done by 2030. So let's just do that. But anyways, that battle, uh, keeping it under 1.5 degrees Celsius, whether it's 2030 or 2050, is going to take north of $50 trillion, according to Morgan Stanley. Now that is a lot. Uh, Bezos' contribution? Well, that would be around about 0.25% of the estimated amount needed. But never mind, a lot of people say, this is Jeff Bezos. This is Silicon Valley. This is high tech. There's nothing that they can't fix. Unlike, of course, the many highly respected foundations, universities, and government agencies who've kind of been at this problem for the last several decades. And despite billions invested, Billions, not one high-tech Silicon Valley-led philanthropic endeavor, not one philanthropic endeavor generally, despite great dedication, resolve, and professionalism, not one has managed to solve a single systemic global environmental or social challenge. Well, just ask Bill Gates. Despite his valiant decades of long work, the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has not made a notable dent in the systemic cause of poverty, ill health, or empowerment are the things that they seek to resolve. Well, certainly there's been situational successes, but systemic? Not really. And by any measure, any measure, uh, most things are just getting worse. Well, that doesn't mean philanthropists should stop trying, not at all, and Mr. Bezos included. But given the size of the challenge, Mr. Bezos' history of philanthropic activities and other tools at his disposal, one has to wonder what he actually hopes to accomplish with the fund. So why did Bezos do it? The fund, that is. Well, there's several competing notions uh, why Mr. Bezos created the fund. One would be for the love of the environment. Another, uh, to protect Amazon's and his own reputation. Uh, Or because having too much money just looks bad. 
or because of increasingly rowdy activist Amazon employees? Well, the kindest interpretation is that Mr. Bezos, like other billionaire Grinches before him, has suddenly found a heart. Yet to say he's been more than a reluctant philanthropist in the past is to say my Scotty loves to swim. Oh, sure, Gabby can swim, but that doesn't mean he's on the lookout for pools to dive into. Uh, prior to making his own splash with a $2 billion donation to support education for the homeless in 2018, Mr. Bezos never appeared on America's 50 largest donors annual list. Uh, true, he supported many initiatives before this, but many suspect his ex-wife, Mackenzie, kind of put him up to most of it. Like, for example, their support for same-sex marriage initiatives. Uh, their donations certainly helped that cause, and I'm sure Mr. Bezos is, felt truly proud of them. But let's go back to the homeless education donation. At the time he made it, it was about 1.3% of his net worth. And that's chump change, really. And nothing compared to Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, uh, both of whom have given away the bulk of their multi-billion dollar fortunes. Gates and Buffett also lead the Giving Pledge Initiative, which asks the uber-rich to donate 50% of their net worth. Now that's attracted 200-plus billionaires to date, and yes, Bezos is one of them. His recently divorced wife, Mackenzie Bezos, that is, uh, she announced last Tuesday that upon reaching a settlement with Mr. Bezos on their divorce, she had also signed the Giving Pledge and that she will give half her $35 billion to charity over her lifetime or in her will. Jeff had nine years to sign up and didn't. Mackenzie? Uh, within a nanosecond after signing her divorce papers. Well, maybe Mr. Bezos is just protecting Amazon's reputation. As some in the billionaire club know, being too wealthy often gives the perception of being on the wrong side of climate change or most things sustainable uh, more generally. Mr. Zuckerberg at Facebook, well, he knows it. He went from cause celebre to privacy and democracy wreaking skulk in a matter of months. Uh, controversies about the things ordinary people care about beyond business and profits, well, it seems uh, can bring on a massive hurt to corporate and personal brands if not managed right. Now, Mr. Bezos is clearly neither uninformed nor has a low IQ. So perhaps he realized Australia and California playing forests exploding into flames tag was making the effects of climate change harder like for anybody to deny. People are beginning to connect the dots and doing nothing while raking in record profits is seen as bad. Thus, the Bezos Earth Fund. Maybe it's because too much money just doesn't look good. Let's face it, after a while, it doesn't. Making too much money just doesn't start to look too good, especially in a country where the top 5% of the wealthiest households saw their annual income increase $130,000 over the last decade, while the working class, the working class, well, their wages basically stagnated. Of course, if the ultra-rich tended to pay their fair share of taxes more often, uh, regular folks might not mind so much. But that's not something the rich or many companies like to tend to do. To wit, a skill-testing question for you all out there. If Amazon's profits were $10.1 billion in 2018, 
what do you think they paid in federal taxes? 2.7 billion, and that would be the average 27% corporate tax in America. Or maybe with some really good accounting, 2 billion? Or perhaps 1 billion with some really creative accounting? No, they got a $130 million refund due in part, of course, to President Trump's corporate tax giveaway in 2017. That's fairly shocking when you think about it, isn't it? Well, there are a lot of companies don't pay any taxes. It's a thing. And so it's no wonder that a posse of Democratic presidential candidates are competing to throw gas on billionaire reputations. Uh, who knows, if things don't get better for Mike Bloomberg soon, maybe he's going to even start trash-talking billionaires. Tech billionaires, of course, have been singled out as the worst, and their collective brand is losing a lot of air these days. Many of them now, of course, see philanthropy as a good defense. It's as Vox Recode recently said, philanthropy for these billionaires is just like cover for their capitalist misdeeds. Anandia Haradas of Time Magazine is less oblique. He says for the super rich, philanthropy, it's bribery. Uh, less hyperbolically, uh, but no less correct. The ultra cool historian, Rutger Bergman, Remember the guy who scolded the ultra-rich at Davos in 2019? Well, he tells the rich to stop talking about philanthropy and just start paying your taxes. Well, I doubt Bezos is embarrassed about or is all that willing not to be a, a billionaire many times over, but burning koalas in California vineyards uh, may make him want to not look so bad while being one. And listen, on that sad uh, image and note, I, I want to let you know that next week, the Sustainable Century Solutions podcast will feature Nathaniel Stinnett of the Environmental Voter Project. But their goal is to get out the vote of some 14 million Americans who love the environment, but don't always get out the vote consistently. It's a great group with a great mission. Check them out at environmentalvoter.org. Well, that's up uh, on the Sustainable Century next week. Until then, you can check out other Sustainable Century pods, vids, and articles at the sustainablecentury.net. That's all one word, the sustainablecentury.net. And remember to click, uh, click like or subscribe on all the right places and pass the pods and vids and blogs along. Back, uh, back to, back to Bezos. Um, uh, it could be that the fund is more because uh, Bezos felt forced by employee activism to seriously take on climate. Uh, you know, one could legitimately question if the Bezos Earth Fund is from his heart, is from Bezos' heart, or it's merely a shot of nitroglycerine to counter the enormous and growing pressure being put on Amazon's circulatory system by company employees. Uh, now, last year, uh, 1,700 Amazon employees uh, they didn't ask managers if they could join the global climate protest with Greta and all the rest. They just they just walked out. And, you know, funny, uh, within 20 minutes, uh, Bezos had signed up to the Paris Climate Accord uh, for Amazon. Um, more recently, 8,700 employees uh, signed a letter asking Amazon to consider the climate damage done by its Amazon Web Service which is providing services to the oil and gas sector, helping them to locate and find uh, new gas and oil deposits. Another 340 uh, employees defied a management order earlier this year to not publicly criticize the company for what they saw as it's failing to meet a moral responsibility in 
the climate crisis. Now, I'm not sure how helping the fossil fuel sector find it and extract more oil and gas. I mean, how does that exactly help Bezos's philanthropic causes? And, and how does that not suggest being even a bigger billionaire is not more important, or at least as important to Mr. Bezos, than uh, fixing the quote unquote biggest threat to our planet? Nor does ordering 20,000 diesel vans, the, the company just recently did, especially when UPS just got 10,000 electric vans. Uh, though in fairness, Amazon did buy about 10,000 really cool electric rickshaws for India. But still, one has to ask if UPS can do it with vans, uh, why not Amazon? Now there's another alternative. Maybe the Bezos Earth Fund is a sustainability marketing decoy. You know, a marketing decoy is, is when a seller convinces a buyer to choose the most expensive product option. You know, give them three choices and an expensive, medium, and more expensive one. And they always take the more expensive one because it gives you a better per unit value. The price differential versus quality, and, you know, all that's features, et cetera, et cetera. But it also... <laughs> No, it surprisingly gives the seller a much higher profit. Uh, now, is Bezos, is that what he's doing with his fund? Maybe. Well, let's, let's check it out. Here are the decoy choices that he's offering. Amazon can do nothing about climate change. Uh, Amazon can address climate change in some or all of its operations. Or, you know, Amazon can uh, address climate change in their operations. And Mr. Bezos will donate $10 billion to the cause. Now, which would you choose? Uh, the last option, of course, it's a better deal. Well, yes and no. Yes, if you can ignore that the success of Amazon is all about selling like as much stuff as possible, even if material consumption is burning the planet down. Now, think about it. The world used up over 100 billion tons of natural resources last year. That's like 95,000 Empire State buildings lined up from New York to Los Angeles and back. Don't get me wrong. People need to buy stuff. We all need stuff. I need stuff. You need stuff. But I dare you. I dare you to randomly serve Amazon and not find ridiculous things that we really just don't need. They don't need to be for sale at all. One of my favorites, toilet golf. Uh, it, a little green that you put around the bottom of the toilet and then you sit there and putt while you're, anyways. And, and, and that retails at nine, $9, $9.99. And you got 12 different versions to choose from. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Another one of my favorites was Smack a Sack Stress Relief Ball Sack. I'm not going into the details. You can just imagine that for yourself. All I will say is, mm, I think therapy might be better. Anyways, uh, my absolute favorite is the Yodeling Pickle. Again, only $9.99 or $5.25 used. Because my question is, if you had a yodeling pickle, why on earth, why on earth would you want to sell it? More existentially, you got to think, who needs all this junk? Who, I mean, 12 different versions of toilet golf? I don't get it. How much of this junk can make anyone happy for very long? We have so much stuff, it doesn't even fit into our houses half the time. And you know, one of the biggest beneficiaries of Amazon is... The storage locker industry, one of the fastest growing businesses in the United States these days. And of course, don't forget the reality show, Storage Wars, which is weirdly addictive in a twisted, I kind of have nothing better to do with my life kind of way. 
But think about it. Getting us to buy stuff, junk, is exactly, is exactly Amazon's business model. It's like, it's like the company is luring us to an enormously tempting breakfast buffet. Let's, let's call it Jeff's badass breakfast buffet, even as we're on a life support diet. Uh, not to worry, says Mr. Bezos. I'm creating the you won't die if you keep eating at Jeff's badass breakfast buffet fun. And we'll help you get over things. Don't worry about it. Amazon's employees for climate justice certainly nailed it when they said uh, the company wants to give with one hand, albeit a small one, while screwing the climate and people on the other with a much bigger hand. So what should Mr. Bezos do? You would think that the CEO of Amazon would be ready to deliver on such a promise and such a fund. Yet, oddly, the Bezos Earth Fund has no website, no acknowledged staff. Uh, it has no plan that's been made available to anybody, and it gives no indication of how donations will be made or decided upon or to whom other than scientists, activists, NGOs making any effort that offer a real possibility to help preserve and protect the natural world. A little vague for me. Uh, but anyways, Mr. Bezos suggests that the details will be delivered sometime this summer. And I'm hoping via Amazon Prime in one of those really cool electric rickshaws. But until then, uh, we could all do well, as well as Mr. Bezos, to consider three bigger questions. One, given the size of the challenge, how will the fund lever impact beyond its relative to the challenge at hand, tiny $10 billion? Two, uh, will the fund support and or fund carbon combating policy, that is, working with government? And three, will Amazon influence suppliers to reduce their carbon content? Some thoughts about these questions. First, wouldn't it be far more immediately effective if Amazon simply moved up its timeline for carbon-free operations from 2040 to 2030? A lot of companies are doing it by then. Microsoft is, so is Ikea. So is a Danish energy company, Orsted. They actually plan on doing it by 2025. And they deal in oil and gas. So why can't Amazon? Next, it's pretty widely recognized that a carbon tax is the most efficient way to get to global carbon neutrality. Will the fund support getting a global carbon tax instituted? What about other potentially effective policies like phasing out the internal combustion engine, subsidizing clean power, getting rid of fossil fuel subsidies, et cetera, et cetera? Will they get involved with government? It's an interesting question. Another good question is, will Amazon use its immense commercial shoulders to influence its many thousands of suppliers to decrease the carbon embedded in their merchandise? I mean, simply asking them to label the carbon content of their products, for example, would go a long way. It's not a far-fetched idea. Some companies like Corn and even Nestle's are testing out the idea. If Amazon required carbon labeling, their suppliers, well, they would reduce their emissions faster than it took McKenzie to sign the giving pledge. Is the... The Bezos Earth Fund better than nothing? Well, in an ideal uh, sustainable world, Amazon might not even exist. And if it did, I'm sure, I'm quite certain it would look a lot different. But barring that alternative universe, there are many and many more powerful things that Mr. Bezos can do with climate in addition 
to the Bezos Earth Fund. I, now, I'm not saying Mr. Bezos shouldn't do the fund. Done right, it's probably not a bad idea. But history shows philanthropy tends to work out better for billionaires, their conscience, their personal brands, their tax bills, than for resolving complex social, political, and economic challenges. Mr. Bezos, you have a much bigger, much better set of tools at your disposal than merely giving away 8% of your net worth spread out over several decades. If you really want to help resolve the climate crisis in a meaningful way, then flex Amazon's mighty market muscles and political influence to make change happen sooner, a lot sooner. Do that, and we might just rename Tropical Forest or two after you. Well, the last word in this week in sustainability goes to Nazar Avzel at Nazar Avzel uh, at N-A-Z-I-R-A-F-Z-A-L, who said in a tweet, some people in my community offered me their commiserations on the birth of my firstborn, Marina, because she wasn't a boy. I told them what to do with their offer. Today, Storm Marina graduates from law in Bristol University, and I couldn't be more proud. Education is empowerment. Uh, in signs of change, nothing tells it like a sign or a symbol. And this week, in This Week in Sustainability, we featured the carbon barcode as representative of how labeling and transparency can help excite consumers to make better environmental decisions when they're making their purchases, and of course, to stimulate producer competition in turn on getting emissions down. You can check that out, the last signs of change, and a last word uh, at the end of the article this week in sustainability on the sustainablecentury.net. Thanks and love uh, to all of this week in sustainability's witting and unwitting contributors. If you have some news we've missed, let me know in the comment section or by signing up for our weekly The Sustainable Century updates. Remember to click like or subscribe in all the right places and pass the pod vid or blog along. We love you if you do it. I will love you anyways. And if you want to join the tribe of investors urging dramatic action on the climate crisis, social justice, and equality, I'll take a look at my book, Invest Like You Give a Damn. Drop me a line if you have any questions. The first person to subscribe to the sustainablecentury.net subscription in March, you get a copy of my book free, uh, signed of course. That's it for this week. I'm Mark D'Souza Shields, host of This Week in Sustainability. If you want more information about all things sustainable, check out the sustainablecentury.net. We got pods, we got vids, we got articles, and we got a lot more. And remember, it's up to you, it's up to us to make this the sustainable century. Have a great weekend.